So the point here is machines have, uh, machines are not perfect, right? Machines are struggling necessarily to make sense of the world. If you can give them very discrete tasks, they can do that faster and better than a human, but there's a lot of weaknesses that they have, right? The B2B Marketing Exchange was created with one goal in mind, to help B2B practitioners across marketing and sales be better at their jobs. Now we're bringing the insights from the stage to your ears. These are the tips and tools you need to succeed. This is the B2B Marketing Exchange Podcast. Hey there, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the B2BMX Podcast. I'm Claudia. And I'm Alicia. And today's episode is, at least in my opinion, a really great listen to anyone really looking to scale their ABM strategies. The session from B2BMX is actually past February featured Robin of Rollworks and Sam of Blackbod, who really dug deep into how B2B marketing and sales teams can deliver a personalized experience to hundreds or even thousands of target accounts. And obviously that sounds really, really daunting, but you know, at the end of the day, there's this awesome thing called machine learning and artificial intelligence that will really take marketing strategies to the next level. And they share some really great insights. Yep. I think you really hit the heart of it, Claude. And I think the key thing to take away here is Robin shared this in his opening remarks that it isn't just about one or the other, humans or machines. You know, one isn't better than the other. They each serve a unique value, unique purpose as far as ABM goes. And I think this particular use case is really powerful. So with that, you'll get some great insights again from Robin, who's going to share the more high-level perspective around the value of AI and machine learning, um, how to scale ABM at a strategic level, And then Sam's going to share how he did it with BlackBod. So you'll get that great balance of theory and actual applications. So hope you uh, get some value out of it. Thanks, everyone. Uh, Let me, okay. All right, so uh, as you just heard, my name's Robin Bordoli, formerly a rock star, but now a technology executive. Uh, it's a pleasure to be here with uh, our customer, Sam from Blackboard. What we want to do for the next 25 minutes is talk about humans and machines, the secret combination to scaling ABM. Um, and I want to share a little bit more about my background, why I'm so passionate about this topic. For the last decade, I've worked at three organizations, Marketo, Figure Eight, and now Rollworks. At Marketo, I was fortunate enough to be part of the leadership team that helped establish marketing automation as a category. Then I spent four years leading a machine learning and AI company, working across a range of industries, consumer products, financial services, healthcare, automotive. Uh, And now at Rollworks, I get to bring those two threads together, marketing technology and machine learning, which is why I'm so passionate about this topic. But less about me. I want to hear where everyone is today in their journey on IBM. uh, uh, ABM, sorry. Uh, The Gary Kasparov uh, reference uh, was triggering that. So I want everyone to self-select into one of these three categories. Either you and your company currently are not doing ABM, category A, Category B is you are doing it, but you're doing it in a small scale way, right? Maybe for a handful of accounts, very manually intensive processes. Or the third is you're doing large scale ABM across hundreds or thousands or maybe even tens of thousands of accounts, and you're doing it at scale. So hands up if you're in category A. All right, handful of folks. Hands up if you're in category B. 
All right, hands down. And hands up if you're in category C. All right, pretty interesting bell curve there, actually. So category B was definitely the, the dominant category. Okay, so to talk about ABM, I want to use an analogy that you've probably already heard, um, that you've probably already heard, but I want to extend this analogy. So hands up if you've heard the analogy, uh, account-based marketing is like fishing with spears and lead-based marketing is fishing with nets. Hands up if you heard that analogy, so it's, it's done the rounds. Um, and the, really that analogy is about the essential uh, sort of truth of ABM, which is it's about focus, right? So I fish with a, a spear and I just get the one fish, the one account that I care about. I don't scoop up 90% uh, of accounts that I don't want and I throw those back in the water, so it's about efficiency. But if you examine this analogy a little further, it actually doesn't seem like a great trade-off, right? I've got one spear. I can only get one fish at a time. I've got to reload it, right? I can only see as far as the human eye. If you were actually given this option, it's like, well, I'm going to stick with the nets. Why would I actually go with a single spear? So we're actually going to amend the analogy. First thing we're going to do is we're going to add a long-range sensor, right? So what this long-range sensor does is, when you've just got the harpoon and you've just got the human looking, I can only see the fish or the accounts that are within my eyesight, within the range of the human eye. But if I add a long-range sensor, I can suddenly see far more of the ocean, far more of the fish, far more of the accounts that are relevant to me. So we're adding the long-range sensor. But we want to make some other adjustments as well. Now we want to add the automatic trigger. Okay, so it's not, not just waiting for the human to pull the trigger. There is an automatic trigger. And then there's also automatic reloading. If I have to wait until I pull that uh, arrow back, pull that spear back and manually reload it, there's an awful lot of time before I can actually target another account or target another fish. Right? So, and the final amendment I want to make to the analogy is I don't want just one harpoon. I want thousands or tens of thousands of them. So now we've extended the analogy, right? It's not fishing with nets versus fishing with a uh, spear. It's fishing with nets versus fishing with tens of thousands of harpoons with long-range sensors, automatic reloading, and automatic firing as well. OK, nice analogy, right? How does this work in the real world? If you went back to your work and you went to your boss and said, heard this great presentation, we want tens of thousands of harpoons, that's what we need to do, wouldn't be a very productive conversation. So I want to bring this down into a little bit more of the practical reality of this. So if you want to go from small scale ABM, which is where the majority of you are today, fishing with a single spear, reloading uh, the spear yourself, pulling the trigger yourself, doing all that, uh, that labor-intensive work, to the large-scale ABM, how do we do that? What are the fundamental things you need to think about in order to make that transition? And I believe there's two fundamental capabilities you need to think very deeply about to make that transition. The first is building an account data foundation. I'll talk a little bit about what this is. Some of you, you know, are probably familiar with CDP. You know, customer data platforms have a lot, uh, get a lot of air coverage in the marketing MarTech world these days. We talk about an ADP, an account data platform, an account data foundation. 
And then the second bit is machine learning, right? We can't do it just with labor-intensive manual work ourselves. We have to co-opt machines to help us do this at scale. So in this analogy, the account data foundation is the long-range sensor, right? The ability for me to see a tuner, right? The ability for me to see the accounts that are relevant to my business. So an account uh, data foundation would have these fundamental building blocks, right? It would have company-level data, right? Tens of millions of companies, tens of millions of fish that you could possibly go and target, right? We'll have contact level data, so the actual individuals, the professionals inside of those accounts, and it'll have hundreds of millions of those. It will ingest multiple data sources, right? We live in an ever-changing world. You want multiple data sources to drive agreement and confidence around the data, and you also need to be able to pull in what is fit, what is intent, and what is engagement level data as well. So you have to have an open data strategy and then an identity graph, right? You have to be able to identify, is that a tuner, is that a cod? Does this look like an account that is relevant to me? On the machine learning side, that manifests itself in multiple ways. So this is the automatic reloading, the automatic firing, and having tens of thousands of these at your disposal that amplifies the human capability. So the way this manifests itself in the ABM world is through things such as account scoring, right? So account scoring in the phishing analogy is that tuna looks good, looks like one I should be targeting. Should I be targeting it? Am I likely to hit it? Is it going to taste good, right? Am I going to be able to sell that to a restaurant, right? The account suggestions, don't look over here. Look over here. There are actually more fish, more relevant accounts for you to, uh, for you to target. Advertising bidding, applying machine learning to that. That's how much should I fire the trigger? Should I, pull the, should I pull the trigger? And advertising budgeting is how many harpoons should I have? And how often should I pull the trigger? And you need to be able to do this at scale, right? We're fortunate in our platform that we're doing a million predictions a second across all of our customers. To just give you a little sense of scale, that's greater than all of the predictions that are happening in the New York Stock Exchange. So that's the sort of leverage you need to get to amplify the humans that are doing the, the small-scale ABM work. Now, at this point, you might be thinking, well, this guy thinks you know, machines are much better than humans. I don't. That's not the point I'm trying to make here. And I'll give you a little example of this. Uh, first of all, I want to give credit to Karen Zack. Karen Zack is a wonderful graphical artist based out of Portland. And if you are like me, when you're first looking at the left-hand one and you're saying, can I spot the chihuahuas? After a few seconds, you'll be looking and go, hang on, some of those are muffins. Right? Now, as humans, we even struggled with that task for two or three seconds. Right? You give that to a machine, it would struggle for a long time and get it wrong. Right? And the right-hand side is, are you looking at Labradoodles or are you looking at fried chicken? Right? So the point here is machines, have, uh, machines are not perfect. Right? Machines are struggling necessarily to make sense of the world. If you can give them very discrete tasks, they can do that faster and better than a human. But there's a lot of weaknesses that they have. Right? Now, by the same token, I don't think humans are necessarily better than machines. Right? We're different. 
And as, a, as an example of that, here's a couple of different tasks. Right? If you gave the machine the, the challenge of find the leopard print dress amongst those objects, it would struggle. Right? It might look at the first word and go leopard. It might look at the last word and go dress. Right? It would struggle to understand the concept of leopard print. Right? Well, we can do that very quickly. If I gave everyone in the room the task of finding the eigenvectors on the right-hand side, most of us would struggle. Right? We are context machines. Machines are compute machines. There's a fundamental difference. So the, the essential lesson I want to leave here is that humans and machines are a lot better than humans or machines. The combination is far more powerful than either or. OK, so I want to come back to where we started, right? Most of you are in the journey of being B, currently doing small-scale ABM. So if you want to, for those of you that were in A and want to move to C, large-scale ABM, or B, small-scale ABM, and move to large-scale ABM, I want to leave you with one final uh, update to the analogy, which is, not only do you want tens of thousands of harpoons with long-range sensors, automatic reloading, and automatic triggering, you do need humans in this equation as well, right? Whether it's the diver in the ocean swimming in the fish and understanding the environment and understanding uh, the migration of the fish, whether it's the skipper of the boat, uh, whether it's the person taking the fish and selling it then on to the restaurants, you need humans in this equation, right? So it's the combination of both. So it's now my pleasure to hand over to Sam, who's actually going to talk about, okay, how does this work in the real world and a customer struggling with this uh, to bring ABM at scale to their business? Thanks, Sam. Thanks, Robin. All right. Hey everyone, how's it going? Good, good, okay. All right, so again, as Robin mentioned, my name is Sam Keenly. I am the team lead of digital marketing over at Blackbot. And because we all like to share fun facts about ourselves, the group at Rollworks asked me to share a couple extra ones. So, uh, big passion for soccer and beach volleyball. I'm a proud owner of a golden doodle in a black lab, not fried chicken. And my wife also works at Blackboard, and she is a member of the sales team. So I get a lot of feedback on how my marketing campaigns are or are not performing. So who is Blackboard, and what do we do? Blackboard is the world's leading cloud software company powering social good. So what that means in non-B2B jargon is we build software for nonprofits. Now, a number of different items about us are, you know, we serve millions of different users in 100 and plus different countries. So we're an international company. We are among the top 30 largest cloud software providers worldwide. And Fortune was kind enough to name us as one of 56 companies that are changing the world. So what were some of our challenges as we thought about how to scale ABM within an organization such as ours? Blackboard is a unique company, so as we serve all the various nonprofit space, we have nine different verticals outlined on the outside of the cloud graphic, and then we have 40 plus different product offerings within those. So our biggest struggle was how do we provide relevant messaging and content for each offering, all along with a limited budget relative to this entire market. And not only that, but today's buyers are savvier than ever. So we have to make sure that we're serving up the right messaging and the right content at the right time because we have a three to 12 month sales cycle. So if we're just bombarding them with the same message the whole time, it is not going to land. 
And not only that, we do like to keep things interesting. So there's only two of us on our paid media serving this entire organization. So that's my colleague, Kaney, on the right. Um, so we obviously have a lot of fun trying to figure out where do we surface our time, energy, and resources to scale this entire organization. So what we do is we partner with our demand generation marketers to get an understanding of you know, what are you trying to accomplish this year, and then we work with them to say, okay, here's the best way to approach your audience online. Here is the best type of content and messaging to use relative to where they're at in their customer journey. And then through tools such as Rollworks, here's how we can scale it for you. Now, I'm sure many of you are in a B2B organization like mine where you have a VP yelling, we need to do ABM today. But as soon as you start talking about ABM with the groups and determine you know, what are the requirements for launching this, you quickly realize everyone has a different definition about what ABM means. So as I thought about this for myself, I said, okay, so we're managing just the paid media side, so I wanna know how does ABM impact our ads? So what we had to do is say, okay, so what is the different use cases that I want to solve for when I think about how do I bring this to Blackboard? So the way we approached this was we had three distinct unique cases that we wanted to propose and test. And then when we did bring this out to our VP, we said, hey, again, this is just one slice of the ABM pie. We're not handling direct marketing. We are not doing BDR calling campaigns. What we are simply trying to do is shift our digital display ad strategy from um, a fishing net strategy over to the harpoon side. So as we thought about the different pilots that we wanted to build out, we decided we wanted to test it on three different verticals and also three different use cases to get a full understanding of the tool's capabilities. So what we said was, you know, we have less than one second to grab everyone's attention while they're scrolling through online, through Facebook, Instagram, CNN, wherever they may be. And we have to make sure that we can go to them and say, hey, we understand what account you're at. Or hey, we understand the pains that you might be encountering in your day-to-day -day job. So the three use cases that we started with, the first one was a pure prospecting campaign targeting United Way accounts that we had not yet partnered with. The second campaign was a previous lost deal campaign where we identified what was the core reason that the organization chose to go with the competitor over us. We wanted to surface that up as the primary content offering. And then the third example was a cross-selling opportunity, or cross-selling campaign in our K-12 space where these were current customers who owned one product and would have been a good fit to have a complementary product with it. So when diving into that last use case with the K-12 account, what we said was, okay, we have 2,300 accounts who are a great fit for this product offering, but again, we have limited time, limited resources on our side, so what's the best way to allocate our resources to get in front of them appropriately? So we took this over to our Rollworks team, Meg and Dan, so if any of you ever have a chance to work with them, they're awesome, highly recommend them. And they came back and said, you know, that's gonna be something that's really easy for us to do. What we can just do is load this in through our account scoring model, and we can pick out the best accounts for you to go after. So this is the awesome part. What we did was we took a list of 764 similar schools who had closed one in the previous 12 months for that same offering, and then we gave that to the machines who said, okay, based on this, of these 764 matched accounts, when we relate that back to the 23, who should we be going after with our limited resources? So what they did was they synced this data over from Salesforce, and they graded the accounts from A to F. And ultimately, that led to 1,300 highest scoring accounts in the A to B range that they said, this is who you should really target if you're limited on time and resources. So when we went about building the campaign, we had to think of this from two lenses, the human side and the machine side. So on the human side, we had to think about things, you know, how do we strategize the audiences and personas that we want to get in front of? 
what's the messaging that we should be using to do this, and then what's the content that we need to build to support it. And then along with that, we wanted to set up the campaign to passively nurture them from the very beginning all the way through the end. So the way that we went about this was the first two content pieces were completely ungated. We said, you know, we don't need to get them to fill out a form to agree to talk to sales right this instant. What we need to do is build trust with our schools. We need them to look to us to say, hey, they can provide best practices to help us accomplish our mission this year. So by the time they did reach that third stage in the call to action, they were primed. They were ready to talk product with us because they knew the value they could be gaining from our partnership. Now the machine side, we let them have the fun with it. We said, you know what, here's all the money that you need to do this. Go and harpoon as many of these A and B accounts as possible for us so we can get them to come onto our site. And then the results. So how did this all pan out for us? So when looking at it from still, if we stay in the machine and human side, the left side would be your machine side. So how did they perform? They were able to bring 95.2% of our target accounts and bring that onto our website. Or excuse me, they were able to reach them by serving ads. And then 75.5% of those accounts did click through on our ad to visit blackbaud.com, ultimately leading to 170% increase in our target accounts. So I'd say that's really good in terms of giving the machine the data to come and say, bring these accounts to us. So flipping over to the human side of it, we said, okay, well now we have to hold up our end of the bargain. So what we found was that of those that did visit our site, 80.7 of those accounts were engaged, meaning that they viewed three plus pages in one session. So I don't know if you all are familiar with something like this, but this is huge. I mean, in terms of where people's attention spans are these days, these people not only hit our landing page to consume that content, but they went on to two additional pages to try to find more. So that told us, hey, our messaging is on point. Our targeting is on point. We're doing something right here. So this is definitely the right accounts to get in front of. And this all led to an 160% increase in those accounts engaged, and then that led into 23 new sales opportunities. So my wife was happy when she saw that part. So tying this all together in terms of, you know, what's the story of humans and machines? For us, it was how do we scale our small, our small team of two to support an entire international company? So we, the human inputs, we control things such as the strategy, the content, the overall account list, and then we look to the machines where we don't necessarily have the expertise or the resourcing to do this, and we say, okay, if you know, can go and do things such as the granular segmentation for us, do the spend allocations, do the ad impression balancing, and so much more, that's what allowed our team to scale to efficiently run this type of campaign for us. So for those of you that are thinking about how do I bring ABM into an organization like mine, this was the exact exercise that I went through last year, so I'm happy to share a couple of key takeaways that helped us to get to where we are. The first is create some internal buzz. So before the impl implementation even began, what we did was we went on a roadshow with all of our demand gen marketers, sales teams, and everyone else to get them excited about what was to come. So that way, once we had the tool implemented, they were running to us and saying, hey, I want to be a part of this pilot, or hey, when is this being rolled out to the entire organization so we can start leveraging these tools? The next one is provide clear use cases, because again, ABM is just a buzzword. So on these roadshows, what we did was we outlined all the various ways that you could leverage the ABM platform. So that way, once we were ready to meet with them to discuss, hey, here's how we want to use ABM with your vertical, we just need your goals, and we can provide you with the best strategy to reach those. Third one, start small to prove value. So I love pilots. I think that they're great to help establish value and get some quick learnings before scaling it out to an entire organization. The fourth one, reward takes risks. Never stop experimenting. As many of you know, digital marketing is one of the fastest growing and always changing sects of market. 
So when we have very limited time to get in front of individuals, expectations are always changing about how to get in front of them with so much noise out there. So what can you do that's different than everyone else? Because otherwise, you're just going to be part of that noise. And then lastly, leverage the experts at Rollworks. Now, I don't use the expert tag lightly, but I'm very confident when I say that we would not have experienced the level of success that we did had we not had Megan Dan supporting us the entire part of our journey. So I'm very appreciative to them for that partnership and helping us be successful with our ABM journey. Thank you. Great job. Robin, want to get up? You know, we have uh, several minutes here. Any questions that you'd like to pose to them? Oh, thought I saw a hand there. The, please. So what other tools, I'm curious, curious about your tech stack. I, obviously you're using Rollworks, but there's other things for you know, creating the ads and, and you know, what, what other tools are you using as part of your, your overall ABM sure. tech stack? Yeah, so we have an in-house uh, creative team. So they build all of the creative for us. We have copywriters, graphic designers, everything else. So we partner with them. And the nice thing is that they know all of our products, all of our verticals, just because of the level of complexity with that. So we don't have to go and train someone else to be like, here's how we want to approach this type of market. They have that knowledge. But um, that's from the, the creative side. But was. Did you have questions about other aspects of the tech stack, or like what? I guess it, so. The other things they're just going to your your standard landing pages, like on mm -hmm. your site, or there is there also content related? Yeah. So we we yet? we work with Marketo and Salesforce. So we build a lot of our landing pages on Marketo, and then that way we can integrate directly with forms or other content. We use On Twenty Four for our recorded webinars and a number of different efforts. I have one drawing on the metaphor the. Uh, the harpoons and the nets. How do you coordinate your program with demand gen or customer marketing, field marketing, other aspects of the organization? The question I found myself coming back to nonstop over the past year is what are your goals? So in the past, we used to just do a peanut butter spread. Everyone gets $100, we're going to do $20 on paid search, $20 on Facebook ads, $20 in retargeting. But we found that we weren't really hitting any goals by doing that because we weren't focusing our efforts. So what we started coming to is, you know, what's your biggest goal this year? What are you trying to accomplish? Because the channel and tactic mix that you can use, now with so many options today, you can't keep doing this peanut butter spread because you're not going to get any results. And it's just going to become, again, part of the noise. So really focusing your efforts on what are you trying to accomplish? And then what are the best levers to pull that? What about if? if um you know, the shadow of advertising oftentimes is, I remember research from Google 10 years ago, they found that sizable display ad programs increase the efficiency of paid search, as an example. So are you able to recollect the data at the target account level and pull that back into your metrics? Or how do you, how do you treat interactions that occur between? Or do you, do you monitor interactions that occur between? Yeah, so recently what we did was we implemented a tool called Visible, which is yeah. a multi-touch attribution platform. And so what we're using is we also built a data science team on our side to get an understanding of, you know, as we move away from this last touch model, what was the last thing before the handoff to sales, it's how is the entire journey spanning out? What are the different touch points of engagement in terms of where should we be inserting paid search in early on research phases, or what type of content should we be promoting in display ads relative to previous web behavior or accounts that we know they're a part of? Very cool. Any other questions that we have? Great. 
Yeah, it might be hard because the speaker right there too. Uh, so when it comes to different digital channels where you can't have a full mesh boundary for ADM, you mentioned paid search being one of those. Are you guys having different KPIs that you're associating with those other channels? Is it just, or is it all downstream, same goal, all the way down? Yeah, great question. That's something we've done a lot of back and forth on over the past year was we used to just look at everything in terms of cost per lead. And when you're bidding on a term that's super vague like fundraising software versus someone that's coming in for a branded search, just getting them on the page from fundraising software is a value in itself. So why are we looking at cost per lead or bringing a conversion on that when they're so early in the research phase, they probably aren't ready to talk to sales yet. So we've started looking at, you know, that goes back to the goal part of the conversation is what's the key goal that you're trying to accomplish and then set that at each tactic or channel level. So some are going to be what's the cost per conversion, what's the cost per lead that we're going for. Others are going to be how many web visitors are we getting or how many web visitors from this target account list because that's more important. That, that's what I want to focus on versus this account that we know we're never going to land, so why focus our time there? Okay, hey, it'll be hard. Yeah, so the uh, digital engine you're running, do you treat that more as air cover for the advertising you're doing, or are you measuring the attribution from that from the beginning all the way through the closing? I'm sorry, I missed the beginning part of that. Uh, are you running the programs more from an air cover So we've started to measure it through closed deal, but in the past it was a very distinct marketing, 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 lead, here you go, sales. So we're transitioning through that part as we speak right now, so I don't have a lot of concrete evidence on how that's going, but that's definitely the, the vision for how we want to scale our data sciences team. Okay, we're going to have to wrap up here because we have a short break. It'll be about 10 minutes before we have Aaron Bowling coming up, but I'd like to give a big round of applause for Robin and Sam. Thank you very much. Great presentation. Alrighty, and there you have it, everyone. Some great high-level insights around the beauty of machine learning, as well as you know an awesome case study of how a B2B company just like yours is leveraging machine learning to scale marketing and sales programs, whether it's ABM or just your you know traditional go-to-market strategy. So there's some great insights there. Yep, absolutely, Claudia. And we have plenty more sessions and conversations with experts just like this in future episodes. So with that, have to do a shameless plug here. Be sure to subscribe to the B2B MX podcast to get real-time updates when new episodes are available. You can do so wherever you listen to podcasts. And of course, drop us a line on Twitter if you have feedback for this episode or have ideas for future topics or guests that we should have in the hot seat. As always, everyone, Thank you so much for listening to the B2BMX podcast and uh, sharing your great ideas with us and your community. And of course, we'll see you next time. Take care.